This is the Ag Queen Podcast. This podcast explores the agriculture industry with the movers and shakers of those shaping it. Here's your host, Lori Boyer. Thanks for tuning in to the show here today as I visit with Nick Cholis. He is a founder of a company called Farmer's Keeper. We're going to find out more about Farmer's Keeper coming up in our conversation today. But Nick, let's get started off by you telling us a little bit about your background and how you came to be the founder of Farmer's Keeper and how you got into the grain merchandising industry yourself. Great. Hi, Lori. Well, it's very nice to be with you and your listeners today. Uh, I started out in the supply chain industry as a supply chain consultant, mostly looking at upstream of origination, different things. And I worked at the largest supply chain consulting company in the world called CH Robinson. And then eventually I started to meet more producers all around the country. And I said, man, I really like working with these guys. They roll up their sleeves and they're so entrepreneurial. And I helped launch manage pricing programs and pricing tools to farmers directly, which traditionally had been something that the grain elevators and big exchanges were offering to guys. And I saw, man, there's a need here to give people pricing tools like HTAs, collars, accumulators, manage pricing programs that they can tra- transact on physical grain with. Um, without having to worry about margin calls because it's unphysical and being able to take those futures contracts and deliver it wherever they want. So we're not a commodity broker trying to guess the markets out there. We're a service for farmers to sell their physical grain without committing it directly to an elevator and worrying about margin calls. And you're located where exactly? Farmers Keepers headquarters located in Chicago, but we work with farmers from North Dakota all the way down to Mississippi and all throughout the I states, of course. So if I understand you right, you have to be able to have that grain in hand for delivery. We're not looking at futures markets or, or trying to guess what could happen and what we're putting our bets on. The grain does not necessarily have to be in hand in the bins. Oh, okay. We actually have, we have more grain actually booked for the 2023 crop because of how we're growing than oh. we did for all of 2022. So farmers come to us to put futures and options type positions on their grain like you would with an HTA or a collar or accumulators and be able to do that on physical crop that they will eventually deliver oh. to the elevator of their choice. Got it. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Yep. Is there specific commodities you work with? We work with producers on corn, soybeans, and wheat. And then our logistics team, our truck brokerage, hauls a lot of DDGs, soy meal, fertilizer, salts, whole grains as well. Let's talk just a little bit about current issues, if I may, since it is pretty timely here. Sure. What happens when something like with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, and then even when I do my market updates, it always it talks about traders are looking for fresh news from Russia and Ukraine. But we just right. had Russia pull out of the Black Sea um, agreement. Like, what does that mean for our farmers and ranchers? Well, I noticed today when we're recording, wheat is a little bit down after a big update yesterday. So there's a little bit of, of downside pressure, people taking some profits there. But certainly from a global supply perspective, that, that affects everything. And, and we're seeing that reflected in futures prices. And, and definitely it's nice to see beans come up here quite a bit and back to following up with with corn a little bit more after they were slinking for a little bit. But ultimately, a lot of that grain that's 
going out to the international markets from Ukraine and Russia was not necessarily direct competition for the U.S. Mm -hmm. export programs. However, it still affects supplies and supply chains all over the world. And we've seen that trickle out. It's probably a good reason why, you know, March corn right now is sitting right at $7 and definitely a supportive factor. You and I were just chatting about this before we actually started recording, but conditions in general, a lot of droughty conditions around the area, around the country, and in some cases, too much moisture. So uh, what is that impacting? How is that impacting the markets, do you think, in the next few months, kind of based on your experience? Sure. Well, I mean, we're definitely, grain stocks are not where we want from a global perspective. I think producers in the U.S. need to remember as well, even though things are dry in South America too, they've got a long way to go and they're planting a record number of beans in, in Argentina this year. So we have that global competition and export sales haven't been that great so far right now into China. So we've got to keep that in mind. However, back here at home, We've, of course, seen a lot of drought conditions, and that's definitely having an effect on supply. What we're hearing from most of our customers is yields are coming in below where they had even expected. So that's pretty scary. And we're also starting to see a lot of farmers that have covered their costs for the rest of the year put everything in the bins and just hold out. I think if, if we're going to revert back to more of a normal market, it's probably going to happen post-planting 2023 when we have a better idea of what the next crop is going to look like. Because this is our third harvest now that we're seeing prices take off again in a time of the year when we typically don't. So that that you would think stimulates in a market to have people sell, but it actually tells the producer, no, I'm going to wait and hold mm-hmm. out. A lot mm-hmm. of guys are saying out there, short crop, long tail. And that's certainly been the case lately. What are some other questions that uh, farmers are asking you right now, or maybe information that they're seeking from you? I would say this harvest, because of the situation with really low river levels, which hopefully with, with some of the rain coming in the last week and the next week, that will get a little bit better. A lot of guys are having to look outside their traditional market that was a river market where we're seeing a lot of co-ops just shut down and not taking any more grain. And that's causing an issue for producers that don't have enough storage capacity for that grain. And so they're coming to us and saying, hey, can you help us identify markets outside of where we're normally delivering? Because we've got to get some of this out. So it's kind of a tale of of two cities here where some grain is being stored and under lock and key and going away until later in 2023. And other people have got to get grain out of the fields and off their hands and their normal buyers are not there for it. So we've been connecting that with the trucking and logistics side of things to find in many cases with some of these feeders out west in Nebraska and Kansas and certainly down into the panhandle of Texas where they're getting some phenomenal basis and we're putting together the logistics for that to get them those bids. Nick, I was just perusing through your website, the Farmer's Keeper website. There's a part in here that talks about farming is changing faster than ever. So I wanted to ask you, based on your experience, tell me about the changes that you have seen in the last few years. Sure. Well, I, you know, I just first want to start with Farming and agriculture is changing every single day as as new markets are coming in and new international buyers are coming in. And from the technology perspective of machinery and the genetic perspective of what we're growing and, and the hybrids that are out there, that is certainly happening at a very fast pace every single day. And I, I would put that type of innovation in the ag space 
just right up there with the tech companies that are putting out new apps and different technologies that we're using. But more than anything, what we're seeing is that transition on the farm from being a physical manual labor job to being an office job of a management job Mm -hmm. and really looking at the farm as its own business and corporation. You know, we say at Farmer's Keeper, we're your personal grain merchandiser and we're here to help find those markets and supply pricing tools on physical bushels for people because we're not a futures and options house. We don't give uh, we don't give grain marketing advice to people. We're not trying to call where the markets are going, but we're trying to put tools in the farmer's hand like HTAs and accumulators and collars and managed pricing programs that can be used to avoid margin calls from a futures and options account, but then also maintain basis flexibility to deliver wherever they want. Because what we're seeing today with the modern farm, as farms start to consolidate, is that farmers themselves are becoming like their own mini grain co-ops or elevators. You know, commercial grade storage facilities, scales in a lot of these facilities, million dollar dryer setups, all those things are really the farmer buying their own trucks and managing their own logistics and bringing that all in-house in an effort to really capture the best market available to them and take what's in control for the farmer, which is what you produce, how you're producing to a certain extent, you know, putting weather aside, but taking those things in control and really becoming a price maker instead of a price taker on things. You mentioned finding the outlets for their grain. So how do you go about doing that? Like we mentioned earlier, today it's been really relevant just with the river markets being pretty much out of commission for a good part of harvest. We'll have farmers that have set an HTA through us again because they want to avoid margin calls and they want that basis flexibility because they delivered a more than one grain elevator. And if they don't know where they want to take it, they'll simply come to us and, and either search for them to see what makes sense for them where the best basis bid is inside their local area, whether or not they should be rolling to another contract month and picking up carry like we've got a little bit here still in the market from Dece over to March. And then also looking further afield beyond the local market that farmers are used to looking or getting the text message from the elevator every single day and looking at places like feed yards that have a really big demand for grain that farmers otherwise didn't have the logistics capabilities to get to, even though after taking out trucking costs, it actually makes sense as a better bid to go there. So as we get those opportunities and we build a lot of relationships with our buyer partners, we're able to offer that back to our customers as well to see if, you know, if we can get them trucks or they can deliver it themselves, does it make sense to deliver further afield and move that grain out of the way? And that's become really relevant for us this year again, as the river markets are really constrained. You mentioned a couple acronyms in there. I thought maybe you could go over those for us. I mean, I know a lot of people are going to understand them, but not everyone is. HTA, so hedge to arrive. Tell us what that is. A hedge to arrive is the capability of a producer to set a futures price ahead of time and then leave their oh. basis options open. So in on the board, if you were to do that in a futures and options account, that would be just like selling futures. So what it enables a farmer to do is let's say it's May and planting went really well. It's looking like you're going to have a great crop. And we typically see the height of the December contract sometime in May or June every year. A farmer might say, you know what? 
I want to set prices. They're looking really good right now. I want to lock in my futures price, but I know basis gets better during harvest. So I'm going to do a hedge to arrive and set my futures portion of that grain contract from now. And then later on in September, October, November, when I'm ready, I'll deliver on that and I'll set my basis to get my total cash price. Well, in the traditional model, a farmer had to choose, do I want to sell grain right now? Let's say that's a yes. Then how many bushels do I want to sell? And then if you deliver to more than one grain elevator and you're setting a price way ahead of time, you've got to decide which grain elevator you want to commit that HTA to if you're not doing it synthetically on the board of trade. Well, Farmer's Keeper gives farmers the ability to place an HTA or an accumulator or a collar through us so that you can lock in that futures price not worry about margin calls on it, on physical grain that you'll deliver. And then later on, not only be able to set basis in a timeline that you want, but be able to select which elevator you want to set basis to. Because when you do any type of pricing tool, like an HTA or a collar accumulator directly with an elevator, you're committing to delivering that physical grain to them. But look what happened this year. You know, If you did an HTA directly with an elevator on the river, that means that your bushels are committed to that elevator. Mm. Well, oil went to $125 a barrel and ethanol plants were bidding really, really high for grain. And man, you don't want to lose out on that great basis at another buyer in your area. Doing pricing tools like HTAs through Farmers Keeper gives farmers that flexibility to be able to lock in the futures price and avoid margin calls like you would in your futures account, but then also have that basis flexibility on the cash side to take it to wherever has the best basis bid in your area. Okay. Thank you for that. And then you said collar a few times. So the grain price collar is what? A collar is also known sometimes as a min max. What a collar does is it's a really great way to set a floor under your grain, which would be a minimum price at which you can sell that contract. And what it does is it gives you a floor price, a minimum that you will not sell grain below. And it also gives you a cap price, which is a maximum. So essentially on the board, for those of you that use a futures and options account, it is selling a call to cap out a top price that you will not sell above, but it's also financing that premium received from that from selling that call to buy a floor below that to secure that grain. The reason farmers do collars and cap themselves out to a maximum price is buying the bottom side protection that you might be looking for can be really, really expensive to do it straight up on the board. And the point is, if you're doing that through a collar, You'll cap out your maximum price, but you'll be able to much more cost-effectively finance a floor below that grain so that you can be sure that you're not going to sell below those levels. You know, we just had we just had fall date for crop insurance get set on the price. I think it was 686. A lot of farmers want to market around that and be able to boost their uh, floor above those levels. And we're already above those levels today with December corn by a few cents. Any penny that you can get above that is is ensuring that crop and still leaving room for some upside. So you're getting a floor, but leaving room for upside above the market. A typical floor today, if we were sitting at $7 futures, let's say, you might want to set a floor, let's say at $6.70. You don't want to sell anything below that. And then you might have a cap at like $7.30. So at expiration, 
you're either going to sell at a maximum of $7.30 or no matter how corn, how low corn goes, you will have an effective floor at $6.70. So it's giving you some security there. What we do mostly as a service and an advisory, since we're not trying to guess the markets for people is, it's a lot of explaining to producers what these things are based on what their own grain marketing plan is. By the way, 65% of the farmers that sell grain through Farmers Keeper have their own commodity broker or cash grain advisor, and they take that advice and they execute it through us, again, so they can avoid margin calls and be able to maintain that delivery flexibility and get the best basis available as well. And then certainly we have a large segment of our customers that understand these tools, have been using them for years, wanted a way to maintain basis flexibility and not pay any flex fees or anything like that to get a better cash price elsewhere and come to us and just place orders as they come. Nick, you've been talking about this kind of throughout our conversation, but what are some specific considerations for producers when selling their grain? Sure. So number one, every farm operation has a different financial situation that they're in and a different grain storage situation that they're in. And you have to consider that before you take any type of advice out there from any type of market analyst or commentator that's talking about where the market will go. Because if you know your cost of production and you know what your financial position is, that's going to enable you to make good, profitable decisions, regardless of where the market may or may not go. Those are things that you can know within your business. What you can't know is when China's going to buy next or when it's going to rain next. And so those are question marks in in a business. So you've got to take a look and say, what's a profitable sale for me? And what are my own personal risk parameters that I'm willing to take on to do things? Because for instance, you know, if, if you're a producer that locked in a lot of your inputs really early at great prices and bought your fuel expenses really early and have low costs, Looking at a $6 corn price is different than someone who hasn't bought a lot of their inputs, owes a lot of money to the bank, has some really high interest loans that might have to be in a different situation. So those are the things that I think producers should consider first before looking at what's going on in the broader market ahead. And that, that goes more to the farm of the future that really becomes a corporate a corporation and focusing on those numbers there. Something else I'd like to mention too, if you look at, and, and we've, got, we've got stuff like this on our website, uh, farmerskeeper.org, we have a lot of resources about grain marketing in general. If you look at, at the breakdown of yield versus price, to a certain extent, yield is a greater determinant of profitability on the farm than the actual price that grain is sold at within a certain range. So in other words, if you can get a better than average for your area, regardless of drought or not, by investing in your crop and doing a good job growing it and taking what you can take control of and producing a really high yield, that's a better determinant of what your profitability will be, including you being able to sell more grain. You know, if futures are at $3 and you have a 200 bushel average and you produce 225 that year, I've heard a lot of people say this really wisely, you hit singles and doubles by making good grain sales and you hit your home runs with your yields. That's really good advice. Thank you for sharing that. You, again, you've mentioned some of this during our conversation, but let's talk a little bit more specifically on how macroeconomics affects sales timing. Sure. 
Sure. Uh, that's another thing that we have in our grain marketing 101 section on our website as a free resource to farmers. Um, when we look that's where I'm at, at, by the way. Ah, I see you're doing <laughs> your research. I like it. Well, we, we like to look and break down um, what those macroeconomic factors are in two main areas. One area is the macroeconomic effects of yield, like weather and genetics. And then the outside factors that are the global factors like uh, currency levels, trade levels, economic policies and political policies, um, strength of different industries that fuel the grains like meat consumption uh, and energy consumption out there that fuels into ethanol. Those are really important places that you should be thinking as you read your morning market newsletter or listen to ag podcasts and get market updates or reading and any of the different publications are out there that we're featured in as well. You should be thinking on the macro level, how does this fall into one of those categories? And is it a bullish or bearish factor? So would it be good for grains or not? And then also to what effect is it a really strong bullish or bearish factor? So you can kind of think for yourself and add it all up and say, okay, how bullish or bearish are things? To give you an example, the Ukraine-Russia war has been a really big bullish factor on wheat prices. If we look back um, in February through May or so, as things kind of petered out a little bit. And that was a really strong factor. Maybe we could put that on the scale of, of 10 on a 1 to 10 on how bullish it is. But there's been some other mildly bearish factors in the market, like our export program hasn't been doing really that great in the last half of this year. Well, it seems like all these things with the Ukrainian grain deal and Russia's war in Ukraine, those things tend to outweigh the fact that we really haven't exported much grain right now. And that's why we're seeing support at grain levels like this. So it's just thinking for yourself behind what is that news narrative? How do the different things that you're seeing, how are they fall into these different macroeconomic categories? And what does that mean for how strong of a factor they are, whether bullish or bearish of what's going on? And it can help you potentially make good decisions down the line of what you think is going to happen. Again, further beyond your own farm situation of what you're going to yield, what you're going to produce, and what your risk parameters are, and what your current financial position is. I thought maybe, Nick, we could spend a little bit of time talking about how the contracts work for your customers. Sure. In general, let's just take a simple hedge to arrive HDA, for example. You can either put in an offer for however many bushels you would sell if the market hits a certain price, or you might wake up on a day like today and say, you know what, November beans are back up to 1388 for 2023. That's a good profitable level. I want to sell 30,000 bushels. And then we lock in that contract for farmers. We have their future set. There is no basis set yet. And then at any time before that contract month comes up, you can choose to set delivery and set basis wherever you want on that. And we, as part of our service, we keep up with farmers monitoring how many bushels they have, at what price, in what different contracts, what's got basis set on it, what doesn't, so that ultimately you can make the most profitable decisions going on. And then once you deliver the grain, we process grain settlements and you get paid. 
And we do all of our clearing through StoneX, which is a Fortune 80 company, one of the oldest uh, clearing firms in existence today for commodities and a big market analyst out there. And they're the ones backing all of these grain contracts. And just a couple more questions on that. And again, I am on your website. Um, this is really helping me learn as your talk too, kind of looking at some of the common questions on your FAQ. Uh, there's a part in here that talks about an elevator giving a push. What exactly does that mean? Sure. So a push is when an elevator gives a farmer a premium above their publicly oh, posted okay. basis that they're offering. So for instance, your local elevator might be offering, let's say 10 over for delivery in November. So whatever the board is, they're offering 10 cents over that board price. By the way, if you have an HTA locked in through us back when corn was at $7.10, you would be 10 cents over what futures price you already have locked in with us. Well, many of the producers we work with, especially the ones that are on the larger side, they will get pushes or a better bid above posted because of the amount of volume that they give to that elevator or because of their relationship with that elevator. From the elevator's perspective, they are okay giving a little bit better of a price by five or 10 cents to a farmer that can deliver them 100,000 bushels, mm. let's say, versus someone that's going to deliver 5,000 bushels them. The same way you go shop at a big box retailer that buys a lot of products in bulk and is able to parse that off in quantities to you for a lower per quantity price. Because when you go to Costco, you're buying 70 rolls of toilet paper versus if you go to a convenience store or a gas station in town per unit, you're going to, you're going to pay a lot more for whatever you're buying because you're only buying one of them and it's for the convenience of that. So when our customers get their special pushes through the relationships that they have at elevators, or when we have certain relationships with elevators and we're aggregating grain together and selling 500,000 or a million bushels at a time, we're able to lock that special deal in that you get and apply it to the futures price that you set on your HTA or collar or accumulator or managed pricing program. And that's a big factor for a lot of farmers because it helps them get ahead in their local market. I see. That makes sense. All right. And just out of curiosity, do you trade year round or is there certain times of the year for these for certain commodities that farmers trade on? Farmers are selling grain through us all year round. Okay. Um, you know, we start to see the first 2023 or we start to see the first sales for the following crop, usually right around the previous crops harvest ending when a lot of producers are either, you know, setting a floor or a minimum price for their grain or doing a hedge to arrive and locking in some futures. And then we also see people at harvest that need to get stuff off the books and set futures on them right away. And some producers we have will set futures through us through any one of our pricing tools up to two years out. So it's really happening all year round for us. And we're always open here for people. And we're delivering grain to hundreds of grain buyers from the big ABCDs down to local dairy operations and mm. areas all throughout the year. Of course, at harvest here, we got in the tens of millions of bushels uh, off the farm into elevators that are delivering right away. But our customers on the contracts that they hold through us and StoneX, they'll be delivering that grain that's being stored in cases that they want to store their grain and, and try to get a better basis later on in the year, they'll be delivering that grain all up until next harvest. So we've got grain going across the scales for our customers all year round. Nick, what else have I not asked about that we should talk about today is for, with regard to either the markets or farmer's keeper? 
Uh, you know, I really just want to keep getting the message out there to farmers that if you deliver to more than one grain elevator and you're worried about margin calls, you should probably think about selling some of your grain through us because we're going to be able to give you the ability to set futures prices on your physical grain that you'll deliver on without worrying about margin calls like in your futures and options account, which are getting very expensive with interest rates going up, up and up these days. And then also on the other hand, being able to maintain your basis flexibility. So you actually have a choice of where you want to take your grain later on down the line when you want to set basis. So the other thing I like to always remind people of is we are not a traditional commodity broker trying to guess the markets. We know a lot of our customers have relationships that go back decades with their cash grain advisor or commodity broker or trader. And we want you to know that we are a service and an outlet for you to execute on those transactions. That's going to do a fantastic job for you all the way from you setting a price on that grain on day one to potentially two years out when you deliver on that grain and want to get paid for it. This has been a great conversation. I've learned a lot. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Lori. Take care. Once again, that was Nick Cholis. He is the founder of Farmers Keeper. And the website, which I was referring to as well, is farmerskeeper.org. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Ag Queen Podcast with your host, Lori Boyer.